This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. Uh, Dave Grosby joining us at 930. And of course, uh, 10 o'clock will be a Mariner pregame show. Mariners, of course, on against the Chicago White Sox at 1110-866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jet in Seattle. Hey, Jet. Dr. John, how are you today? Hanging in there. How about you? I'll try to stay as cool as possible. I know. It's not going to be easy. That's that's for sure. No. So, John, is is Moses going to lead our running backs to the part the Red Sea and lead them to the promised lands? I mean, who's the running backs? I mean, it's like, are they, are they, does hey, it matter? Yeah, yeah, probably not. No, I mean, it's like, uh, no, I mean, you know, they had Le'Veon Bell and he averaged 3.3 yards a carry. Uh, but well, you didn't have Moses lead them and part in the Red Sea for him. Yeah. And it's like, but what I, 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 I listen, I mean, Morgan Moses is a good right tackle, right? But here's what I don't understand. Why do you sign uh, Morgan Moses? Obviously, because he's one of the better right tackles available on the street. And what are you going to do with George Fant? Uh, I think it's a depth move more than anything else. I think they have concerns about Becton's health. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and as, as we saw last year and what we've seen the last four or five years, they are painfully thin um, once you get past the starting five right. on the offensive line. And in particular, they've been woefully thin at tackle. So even if uh, – I've got no problem at this point. I think it's a great pickup, very savvy pickup. Whether he starts or whether he you know, is a backup or whether Fant starts or is the, you know, the auxiliary tackle or whatever they're going to do in the system, um, I think it's a great pickup. They didn't break the bank on him. I think it's, it's a one-year deal for 3.5, and with like it goes up to 5.3 with playing incentives. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they, they broke the bank on him. And, hey, if you can get a quality starting tackle for – you know, five million in this market—that's not bad at all. Yeah, but of course, I, I mean, the, the crazy move. part is, if Fant's going to be the swing tackle, they paid him nine million dollars a year. That was the highest-paid free agent that they had last year, and that—that that would say that it was a mistake. But also, you know, Beckton looked good at left tackle. But yeah, you're right about the injury part of it. Yeah. Again, um, and, and I thought Fant played very well last year. Yeah, I thought so frankly. too. Yeah, uh, he, he had a very good year. And I think he can do even better in this particular system because, you know, he's very athletic and uh, there's a lot of motion, there's a lot of moving on this on this team and a lot of, you know, kicking it to the outside. So I really think he's going to excel in this uh, in this offensive scheme. So, you know, uh, did, are they overpaying him at this point? Maybe, but uh, you know, in this market and given what they need, you know, I don't think it's a problem at this point. And they've got the money to. That's yeah. the thing. They've got the money to spend. They are not cap tight this year. They are not cap tight next year. You know, so I think it's a very savvy move. I really like it. I don't think there's a downside to it. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I guess the question is, Are you? Uh, is it going to be Morgan playing? Because I saw one story that actually had Morgan maybe doing a little bit of left tackle stuff, which, of course, I mean, he's more of a right tackle because he's more of a grinder than he is that. It's like, uh, uh, it's like so I'm kind of curious about, uh, you know, which side is he going to go on? Or are you going to take George Fant and put him at left tackle if necessary? Yeah, I think that probably is what would happen if Becton does go down. Mm-hmm. I think probably what you would see is 
I think Fant is much more versatile than, than than Moses at this point. So I would definitely see Fant being the one to slide over to the left side. Um, I just don't see Moses going to the left side. I'd be surprised about that. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it's, it, it's, you got another quality body there, and then I think right now that's a good thing. Yeah. So well, what do they have at running back? They've got a melange of talent, huh. John. Yeah. A melange, um, if you want to call them talent, yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's all that bad. I mean, I don't know what they're going to get out of Coleman. Um, obviously, his health is, is, is a concern. Right. But uh, if he is healthy, I think he fits very nicely into the system. Um, I think you've got to be excited about Carter. Uh, I think he brings an mm-hmm. element to this team. I think he brings a you know, Leon Washington type of element. And, again, on an offense that's designed to kick the ball to the outside, you know, I mean, I think he's just designed for that. So I think he's a very good fit there. Um, I really like, you know, Josh Adams, I think, is solid uh, and fits into, and can fit into the system. And also the guy that I, I think really needs a, more of a chance is the guy that they picked up from uh, Detroit. What's his name? Ty Jackson? Johnson? Yeah, Kyron Johnson. Kyron Johnson. I liked him last year, and I thought that uh, he just didn't get enough playing time with Gaze. Right. So I'd like to see him further in the mix. I, I think he's got some speed. I think he's the only one that can kick it to the outside. Um, so, you know, they've got various options. And I think, you know, quite frankly, John, that's the way of the modern NFL. You just have a bunch of bodies out there with some, you know, disparate, uh, you know, skill sets and, uh, you just plug them into the situation you want to plug them in for. And, uh, you know, you don't have to be great and everybody's great behind a great offensive line. So if the offensive line can run block, I mean, Hey, come on, you know, was it, uh, Kevin Long and Clark Gaines? Mm-hmm. 1,000 yard rushers in 14 game seasons for the Jets. I mean, why? Because they're great running backs? No. They're playing behind a great offensive line, you know, in the, the Jets in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's why they excelled. I mean, you don't need to be a great back. You just have to have a good offense, great offensive line, and a solid scheme. So, I, uh, you know, we'll see how it shakes out, but um, I'm not too concerned about running back. I, I think they've got some guys that can fill the roles. And, um, that that's the least of the concerns. If you can block up front, you can put anybody back there. Yeah, but they better get a tight end too. Well, yeah, uh, I I don't get the sense that Herndon is wowing anybody again this no, year. No, um, uh, he's going to have every chance, but uh, I think his his clock is starting to run out. And um, again, much like cornerback. I think uh, this may be a situation that may not be addressed this year, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. probably something that's going to have to be addressed next year. Um, but I, I, I think it's a bit of a problem. Although I will say, you know, they do have a you know a quasi fullback blocking back in Wesco, so they've got that part figured out. Hopefully, so maybe they've got their own little version of use check uh, that can help fill that role. But um, yeah, um, but again. I think they have a nice uh, stable of receivers now. And I was surprised to see how well, at least in the write-ups, that uh, Keenan Cole has been doing in, in the camps. Um, so they may, they may have enough talent to uh, be able to work around a deficiency, at least in receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you, you uh, think of Crowder end. taking a $5 million pay cut to uh, stay? Well, I, I, would, I would counter that with you. What was his choices? I know. I mean, if he, if he, if he walked away... What was he going to pick up on the open market? Apparently, they gauged that he probably mm-hmm. wasn't getting more than five million at this point. Oh, he so. wouldn't. Even, he wouldn't get five million. I mean, you look. You look at the signings right now. 
you're lucky to get three to three point five, three point six. I mean, hardly anybody's getting better than that. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think he had much of a choice. And but I will say I'm very glad that they got him back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he fits nicely into the scheme. You know, I think he's a quality guy. He's, you know, he's a, he works hard. He's I think he's a quality you know locker room guy that can help some of these young kids. And uh, I, I was very happy to see him come back. Um, I wasn't really surprised because I think he was going to do better elsewhere. Right. Um, and I, I think it was a good move by the Jets. Uh, I, I, you know, again, I like what Douglas is doing. He makes these shrewd moves. Again, like like Moses. I mm-hmm. mean, we may not be able to see or figure it out right now, but they got to have a thought behind it. You know, much like the uh, their first uh, uh, free agent signing, um, the guy, the linebacker from uh, Davis from uh, Detroit. You know, obviously mm. they've got they've got something in mind for him because you know they're not getting rid of Mosley. That's that's the thing I'm going to be interested in. What are they going to do with Mosley? How is Mosley going to respond to this system? Right. But it sounds like he's in shape. And uh, boy, if he can stay healthy, and if he can find his niche in that in this defense, I mean, I think he can be something special, uh, particularly behind that offensive. Or, I'm sorry, that defensive line because they've amassed a lot of talent at that defensive line. I mean, like we've we've talked about so often. I mean, they needed to go to a four-three a couple years ago because oh god, it, they should have gone to like a decade ago. Yeah, I know. It's like they didn't have enough linebackers. They have better defensive linemen than they had linebackers, and so it's like. Uh, <laughs> So you stay in a three-four. How stupid is that? Well, not that, but you, you spend uh, what almost what four consecutive drafts drafting defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Tackles. Yeah. Okay, and I'm sorry, Muhammad Wilkerson was not a defensive end. No. The reason he would get sacks was because he was more athletic and quicker than guards and uh, and 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 centers. Okay, he excelled on the inside but he was just not fast enough to bring a rush from the outside. And the one year that he had his 13 or 14 sacks, I think four of them were co- or five of them were covered sacks. Two of them, they ran into him. So that was half of it right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, I mean, not only did they not have linebackers that matched the system, but they didn't have any defensive ends that they could work on the outside. So, and they never had a true nose guard until since Puoha left. So you really didn't have the parts that you needed, and you weren't drafting the parts that you needed to stay in the damn three four. Mm-hmm. I it was just I just I just never understood it. I mean, you have to admit. I mean, they've been so poorly run, and I think Joe Douglas is doing a good job. I mean, <clears throat> we'll see how it works out with uh, Beckton and all that stuff. Because I mean, you know, last year the way he played, he played well, but then now you worry about his health and everything else. But uh, you know, uh, two years ago he spent too much money on. Uh, not enough good players, but uh, the the you know this it just the system and the plan just didn't make much sense before then. <laughs> there was no cohesion. There was no cohesion between the coaching staff and the front office. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know that was kind of part of the problem that Tannenbaum had with uh, Schottenheimer, because uh, for example, when he drafted the um, tight end at the end, it moved up and drafted the tight end from. I think it was Missouri. Mm-hmm. I can't come up with his name. I mean, this guy was uh, it was designed to be a zone breaker. I mean, this guy could just hit the seams and just sit in the seams, which was perfect for the cover two that uh, the Patriots were playing at the time. And Schottenheimer just refused to use him in that role. Um, there was a complete disconnect between the coaches, between Schottenheimer and Tannenbaum. They just didn't have a mesh. Um, and like uh, you know, and then for a decade, you had well, I don't know what Isaac was doing. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Pure and simple. I just don't know what his. I don't think there was a plan. No. To be honest with you, and then you had McCagnan, who you know, supposed this great talent evaluator couldn't evaluate talent and didn't know how to build a team, and then uh, you know, basically, I didn't. You know, you had bowls left with a bunch of disparate parts. And you just had a constant revolving door on offense. You mm-hmm. really couldn't mm-hmm. build anything because you kept changing the blocking scheme for one, three different offensive coordinators, three different blocking schemes in three years in a row. That's not a way to build a team. Uh, it was just a discord between the two. And that's why it's nice to see that I think they're working hand in glove at this point because uh, the moves that they picked up, the guys they picked up, it's kind of a head-scratcher. But then you got to think that there's there's a plan behind this. Otherwise, they wouldn't have targeted these guys. Exactly. Hey, thank you for the phone call. Take care, John. Stay cool, and, uh, well, we'll get through it. Yep, that's true. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Dave Grosby joining us at the bottom of the hour. And, of course, uh, we are out of here at t- 10 o'clock because you got the Mariner pregame show. Uh, 11-10, they take on the White Sox. So, in the meantime, give us a call at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. We can also take your text questions. You can text us at 710-710 on the, uh, on the Mac and Jack uh, text line. So, from the 206, do teams going into the season with new offensive coordinators like the Seahawks have an advantage since teams won't have film on their particular offense? Not necessarily because, again, if you have a new offensive coordinator and you have an offseason like this where you know you have limited access to uh, players in the offseason program because of the opt-outs, not the opt-outs, but the uh, 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 boycotts and things like that. It just becomes tough. But, uh, you know, and it usually takes time to be able to adjust your offense. And again, you're right that uh, you may not have tape and all that stuff, but I think that might be a little bit overrated. So it's like, but, uh, you know, certainly there's going to be some guessing games and stuff like that with the way this offense is going to be for the defenses to face. And I think it is having a chance to be better because I think they'll get rid of the ball quicker. I think that, you know, there'll be a little bit more creativity, uh, a little bit more complexity, all those different things. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a big advantage for the offense over the defense. From the 360, are there any other major moves the Hawks need to make before the start of the season? Probably not. I mean, you know, they still might be looking for a backup running back. That could be a possibility. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, they're in pretty good shape at the cornerback spot, even though, again, they don't have big names or big pay and stuff like that. But big moves? No, I don't think so. I think the big moves right now is internal. You know, they need to get a deal done with Jamal Adams. They need to figure out what they want to do with Dwayne Brown. Then they start to look at other guys that they want to resign because, I mean, the one thing that's a little bit scary is that, you know, most of their secondary, their contracts are all up. And so because of that, you want to make sure that uh, you can get taken care of and, you know, make sure that all those things are done. So that that's, that's going to be a, a big, big concern. From the 425, will we ever see a preseason fully go away? No, I don't think so. I think you need to be having at least two games just to see you know, what you have because you know it's hard to evaluate, particularly the young guys and the new guys on the team, if you don't have them on the field playing football. 
I mean, sure, you can have them in camp and all those different things and, uh, you know, training camp and all that stuff. But you really need to you know go out and see how they can do in competitive action against other football teams. You can do that to some degree by having, uh, you know, joint practices and things of that nature, but it's still not the same. So I think that at the very least, you need two preseason games. But, uh, you know, Roger Goodell's not the biggest fan of the preseason games. And, you know, if there's a way that they can get away without them, they might do it. But I still think that you need two. And, again, we're taking your text questions at uh, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's text line, also taking your phone calls at 866-979-ESPN. From the 360, any news out of the Rams camp? How do they look for 2021? You know, I, I, I mean, talking to some people down at the Rams in the past uh, few days, I mean, there's still some question marks. I mean, they're going to be a good team. There's no question about that. Matthew Stafford's going to help their offense. But I think you can also see that they've lost four starters on defense to fit in Stafford and make the trade for Jared Goff and take the dead money cap hit. That's got to be a concern. I'm still not overly sold on the offensive line. You know, their receiving core is going to be good, but can Deshaun Jackson stay healthy? That's a big question. So they've got a lot of question marks right now, but still, it's a good football team with a good coach in Sean McVay. You know, uh, McVay's just raving about Matthew Stafford, so I think that can be encouraging, but we'll see. But news? No, there's not much. As far as the 206, am I native... Uh, for hope, am I naive for hoping that uh, the Mariners' playoff game it will play in the playoffs at the end of the season? Uh, I don't think they will. I mean, I think that uh, you know they'll still be in the playoff race, maybe in the last two weeks. But again, they're three games over 500. They've done a phenomenal job this year. Uh, you know, Scott Service has done great. The young talent's starting to come through. They're getting better pitching than expected. But again, I mean, you still look at the runs they score and the runs that they give up, and that still projects to have a losing record. And at some point, this may catch up to them. But uh, no, they're making progress with playoffs. I don't necessarily see it. Coming up next, we'll have our weekly uh, dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Time for our day, a weekly gross uh, dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. David, how are you this weekend? Uh, well, I'm still a little cool, John, but uh, looking forward with much trepidation to this crazy heat we got coming. I Colin. know. Are you going to be able to walk in this heat? I, I, I probably won't. No, sir. Uh, no. I'll be staying indoors. Yeah, me too. It's like no. it's, when you were talking uh, triple digits, that's going to be crazy. Well, 109 on Monday, I mean, it doesn't even yeah. seem real, does it? It doesn't. I mean, I, I'm just baffled what's happened. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, we have global warming, but not to this point. Well, maybe we do. Yeah, that's true. All right, so the Mariners get a 9-3 to win over the White Sox. Very mm-hmm. good win. <laughs> They're now, what, three games over 500. I mean... It's been it's been so far so good. Oh, they're playing great. Nineteen of their last uh, thirty, uh, six of their last seven. After a great homestand, the, the Kikuchi with another a big start yesterday. I mean, things like Luis Torrens has hit two home runs in the game last night. I mean, was was barely hitting when he was sent down at AAA and comes back as a, as a world beater. They got everyone contributing. J.P. Crawford continues his amazing streak. I think he's got an eleven game hitting streak going now, and I think he had. What was it two hits last mm-hmm. night? So 
Um, it's uh, it's very, very, very impressive. And Logan Gilbert, who has been better every single start he's gone, uh, gets to start here in a couple of hours, and, and uh, we'll see if the Mariners can put themselves in a position for a sweep over an elite team. I mean, the White Sox, in my opinion, are the best team in the American League, and this would be a very impressive thing. And they're going against their top three pitchers, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Rondon, who pitched a no-hitter earlier in the year, Lance Lynn today, and, and Dallas Keuchel tomorrow. So uh, it's uh, it's heady times to be a Mariner fan. It really is. It's like, uh, and it's funny because I know that uh, on the Jerry Depoto show this week, they asked him about, uh, uh, Paul Galan asked him about whether he's going to get a contract extension and he would expect it. And I would have to think they've got to give it because, you know, the team is moving in the right direction. Well, I mean, I, I certainly agree with that. I, I'm, 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 I don't know if you wait till the end of the season or not. Uh, look, I, I would just ask the question. Uh, right now, they're three games over 500, uh, and there's more than half the season left. So we all know uh, anything can happen. I mean, would you feel the same way if they wound up 20, 25 games below 500 with, with the time the year was over 170 and 92 or something like that? Yeah. So I, if you would, if it wouldn't make any difference because you'd feel like they, they'd grown the minor league system and they had good young players gone, you, you would extend. But I, you know, I think they might wait a little bit. But uh, conversely, you know, if John Stanton, who was, was talking about liking the direction, you know, likes what he's seeing, you know, he, he could, they could do it. But um, you know, it's it's uh, it's too early to evaluate this year. How about if I put it to you that yeah, way? Yeah, true, true. But we are halfway through the season, and we've seen you know big progress, and you know a lot of the even some I mean the Ty Francis and the guys like that. Uh, you know, right. doing doing well. I mean, you know, it it's just seems like they're you know getting better with the talent. I mean, obviously the Crawford thing has worked out fantastic. I mean, he's one of the best shortstops in the league, and he's hitting so well. So that's worked out. And again, the pitching has, despite the injuries. I mean, I'm still stunned at how many players that are on the 60 day uh, injured list uh, are on this team, and how many pitchers have been injured yet they still remain competitive. It's interesting that that's that's a trend throughout baseball. The White Sox have a list that's almost the, almost the same. So it's it's kind of interesting to see that. Um, you know, one thing that you can say that has definitely changed is the Mariners have a, a minor league system with, with a bunch of young talent. And and you know, J.P. Crawford is a guy that you know you talk about. It's one thing to acquire the talent; it's another thing to develop it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been developed at the major league level, especially as a defensive shortstop. When he came uh, from uh, from Philadelphia, you know, he was regarded as a guy who had a good bat but um, not particularly a good glove, and he's turned into a gold-glove fielder. So uh, he is he is definitely improved, uh, and um, they've shown with some other guys coming up uh, that, that the, the development is going just as well uh, as, as their talent acquisition. So wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if, if, if they went either way. You know, either, I guess either way wouldn't surprise me, John, if they wanted to wait till the year was over or if, uh, hey, this, this looks good, let's do this now. Yeah, but I, you, you, the, the progress, I think, on this team has been such that it's like, uh, I mean, you can see Scott Service is having, I think, a very good year coaching, and the coaching staff has done a good year of developing. And, of course, uh, you know, they are getting more talent as far as young talent on this team. So it's like, why wait? Well, like I said, John, you know, you, don't ju- you wouldn't judge an NFL team season at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. You would not you would not judge it at that point. So um, it, it all depends on on what they you know what they feel about on the major league level. But there's no question that they have developed a, a tremendous amount of talent on the minor league level and have restocked the minor league system. So you know again, I, I would not be surprised and and um, if if it if it works out that way. 
And, of course, on the minor league system, I mean, Jared Kelnick has been sensational since going down to Tacoma into Triple A and being able to hit and hit home runs, get a good batting average, all those different things. What, what do you think the chances of him coming back reasonably soon will be? Oh, the guarantee. He'll be back. I yeah. mean, there's, there's no question about it. He's going to get a chance to, to, to um, make up for, for, for the, the rough first time around. And that's what's kind of exciting is, you know, you're going to get some guys back from injury like you've talked about, but you're also going to get, you know, uh, some, some guys like Kelnick, who, maybe Cal Raleigh as well, you know, who, who could be significant additions. So Mariners might find themselves in an interesting spot here in, in um, Jeez, it's June 26th already. We're talking about yeah. about three weeks. If they're if they're seven eight games over 500 and and you know a major player in the wild card race, they may have to they may have to rethink what what's going on this season in terms of waiting a year because uh, they certainly the Mariners know better than any other franchise that if you've got a chance to 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 make the postseason, don't waste it. No, I agreed about that, and of course uh, that's that's going to be the fun part. But again, what, what's your thoughts on Yusei Kikuchi and how well he's pitched? Oh, I think he's been the story of the season, uh, the, the biggest story of the season. I think he's – I agree with Scott Service's um, comment on him that, that he was a – he's a top-five lefty. He outdueled one of the other best – one of the other great lefties last night. Uh, has been just sensational. I think he's likely to be the Mariners' all-star. I think they're probably only going to have one, and I think it's going to be him. And, uh, look, it's – the magic can happen when you've got a – when you've got a great starter, and this is a guy who now start after start after start – is um, is is getting it done? I mean, he if he hadn't cramped yesterday, he probably would have had another another seven inning start. As it was, he just gave up one run to to one of the hardest hitting best teams in in baseball. Has been just sensational. So I've been very very impressed, and and um, I think that you know he's 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 been one of the keys to their success. And like I said, I think in a couple of weeks he'll be the, representing them in the All Star game. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. What what about Crawford being a? I know shortstop is a very deep position and a lot of good shortstops. That's the in problem. Play. Yeah, that could. Yeah, keep that's KP the problem, out. John. Yeah. I mean, you've you've got uh, in fact in the All Star game you've had seven different shortstops in the American League start in the last seven years. I mean, that's insane. And yeah. you got guys like Xander Bogarts of Boston and and Carlos Correa of Houston who are are having fantastic seasons, and that's just, uh, there's Anderson with the White Sox, so I think it's just it's just as, as good a year as Crawford is having, and you know, maybe this hitting streak continues, and he gets in as a reserver if someone gets hurt, but it's such a deep position that it's awfully difficult to see JP making it there. Yeah, I can, I can understand that, because you're right, it's like... But he's having an all-star season. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, gold glove season, and I mean, turning more double plays than just about any other team in baseball, the Mariners are, thanks in part to him, but uh, he's just got such great range, great throwing ability, and he, he's just a quick decision maker, too. Well, and he's so smooth, John. Yeah. I mean, he reminds me of Robinson Cano in that aspect. He's just such a he makes he makes difficult plays look easy, and and uh, and they're not, and <laughs> they're not at all. I mean, the the way I would describe it, the way he plays defense is he's never rushed. He never he's never hurrying. He always looks looks just on point, and and uh, it's it's a remarkable transition to have that happen in a couple of years when he comes as a guy who's not a particularly good defensive shortstop to one now who is, as you pointed out, a gold glove winner last year and likely to be one again this year. Mm-hmm. Now that's going to be pretty good. And, of course, as you mentioned, Logan Gilbert gets the start today going against the White Sox. 11-10 is going to be the start of the game and 10 o'clock on the pregame show. What do you like about Logan Gilbert? 
I, I like every, I like like most people. I like everything I've seen about him since he's gotten here. You know, it looked like it, in the first game he was he was here a little bit too early, and then as he's gone on, he's gotten better and better and better. And, and I mean that that's exactly what you're looking for uh, in a young guy. I mean, he, he, I really believe that each start he's had has been better than the one beforehand. He's got great command. He, he's got uh, you know the ability to, to throw. Uh, you know. High nineties. He has confidence in his pitches. I just the, the the question is what not to like. I mean, there's just nothing negative about what he's done. And uh, for a guy who I thought may have been brought up a little early, uh, you'd have to change your perspective based on based on the fact that he has improved with every outing. So he's been able to make the adjustments uh, to get better. And, and as the league has tried to adjust to him, he's been able to remain a step ahead. On the football side of it, interesting the story developing in Green Bay, which of course the big story of this whole yeah. off season, I think, has been Aaron Rodgers. Uh, now we we find out that uh, you know Aaron. Not that we know what he's going to do. Has until Friday of next week, June July second, to decide if he wants to opt out. And so, uh, and if he opts out, here's the uh, the financials on that. Is that you know you move, you basically move the contract into next year. And so, uh, you know, if he was going to because you know, you would. And first off, do you figure that he's not going to be there for the start of the regular season if he's not traded? I, I I always defer to you on that. I mean, yeah. it's just hard to believe that that would be the case. I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, he seems to be saying that he won't be, but it's still hard to hard to believe that, isn't it? Yeah, but also it's like uh, think about this: is that uh, I mean, he, he's thirty seven years old. He's been in the league since two thousand and five. I mean, he loved. I think he'd love to be the host of Jeopardy, uh, particularly just for. He, he was great at that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and so it's like okay, so now. Uh, here, here's his option. If he opts out by Friday, uh, you know he would he would be able to save thirty five million dollars, thirty five point three million dollars because you know, he's already lost you know five hundred thousand dollars in a workout bonus. He's already lost uh, ninety three thousand as far as the uh, mini camp. And so now what happens if he holds out into the season? He'll lose game checks. He'll lose. He'll have to re. If he holds out the entire season, then he has to pay back a six point eight million dollar roster, and then they can come back and ask for his prorated signing bonus uh, account for this year. And so that's thirty five point three million dollars, and he can make money in jeopardy. I mean, do we know what he wants, John? He doesn't want to besides be there. just being. He doesn't want to. Is be that there. it? Period. I mean, there's, there's no there's no fixing that scenario for him. Uh, I know Peter King put this out a couple weeks ago. I'm sure he got it from somebody in the Packers organization that said that, uh, you know, it's like uh, they'll try to talk to him and say, listen, why don't you play this year and we'll trade you next year? But I think there was some discussion about trades this offseason because he didn't want to be there. And, you know, he didn't trust management enough. And it's like, can you can you trust management with the Packers uh, and say, oh, I'll play this year and then you'll trade me? It's like, I, can, I don't think he trusts them. They took a quarterback in the first round last year. Yeah, an unbelievable mistake if that was the mm-hmm. – and it sure seems to be the thing that did him in. Just unbelievable. And So now should we be nervous that Russell Wilson was at the Milwaukee game last night? No. I know. I'm just kidding, Jim. I know. It's like uh, – uh, where, where do you rank <laughs> the Russell Wilson story as far as trade, uh, as far as the most overrated dumb story you've ever heard? In Seattle, it just you know, it, it um, when as you pointed out, when it became really evident that they weren't going to trade him, it was it was surprising that, that it just kept going. I mean, yeah, 
he started it, so he made it a little bit different. And, and like I said, I do think that from a fan's perspective, uh, there will be people that will have a different perspective on on Russell Wilson. But um, no, it was it was as you pointed out, never going to happen. And and um, you know, when they hold all the cards like they did in that case, uh, you know, you never had anything to worry about there. And he's he's not thirty seven. He's not about to be the host on Jeopardy or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So you know, he's he's back, obviously, but. But look, I think a, a little bit of a different perspective from from the fan base on them, and we'll see if that reflects at a sold-out Lumen Field this year. Yeah, exactly. So, what's on the grass schedule today and tomorrow? Hey, man, are you kidding? Just, just, just cocooning. Yeah, staying in the shade, trying to trying to stay alive, and and uh, you know, I encourage everyone to to stay indoors if you can. I mean, this heat is not a joke. I mean, this is yeah. this is going to be uh, it's going to be a very dangerous circumstance the next couple of days. Okay, that's our weekly dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. Dave, enjoy the weekend. John, you too, buddy. We'll talk next week. All right, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show phone calls and again we're a real short segment here 866-979-ESPN 206-421-ESPN also we'll get into text questions on the uh, Mac and Jack's text line uh, that's at 710-710-206 how much longer will Pete Carroll be coaching will he retire as a Seahawk any replacement in mind no replacement in mind I think probably what is it was he got three four more years on his contract I think he'll complete that and then make a decision if he wants to continue because again I don't think he's mindful uh, and worried about coaching into his 70s. And I think that he's, because I know he keeps on bringing up Marv Levy and how Levy coached into his 70s and all that stuff. So again, I think, you know, I think Seahawks will be his last job because I don't think he's going to go to another team and then try to rebuild another team. But I think he's going to stay as long as he can here as a Seattle. Uh, from the 916, is Scott Service the manager to bring the Mariners into the playoffs? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, you know, he's got them close before. It's just that, uh, you know, Something would go awry toward the end that would prevent that from happening. But I think you can see he's done an incredible job this year. I mean, he's managed through all the injuries, the youth, and everything else, and the team's three games over 500. And don't forget, I mean, they'll be coming up here at the top of the hour uh, with the pregame show and, of course, 11-10 on the game against the Chicago White Sox. So I think they're looking good in that regard. And overall, I think Scott Service, it's not because he's a neighbor. I think it's just because he's a good manager. From the CC. 360. Professor, does Dwayne Estridge have a history of injuries? I don't think he does. I think he's been reasonably healthy through his uh, career. And so it's like uh, in, in college. And so I think that, I mean, it's a little, it was a little banged up at training camp or at mini camp, but uh, that's okay. It's like it's, it's mini camp and all those different things. It wasn't like he suffered any kind of a serious injury or anything of that nature. From the 425, will this NFL look like a normal season or so? that uh, can take the Seahawks and take, take another season or two. No, I think it's going to be look reasonably normal. I mean, again, you've got, uh, you know, full stands. It looks like fans will be there. I think you can see that, uh, you know, the offenses, I think will be, 
you know, reasonably good. I mean, it's going to look more normal than it did last year when you didn't have hardly anybody in the stands. So I think that's encouraging. But in the end, I think that uh, right now it looks very, very good as far as where things are going. And so I think that, uh, you know, it looks like it can be a reasonably normal season in the National Football League. And that's good. I mean, they did an incredible job last year in being able to get through it with only like 262 players testing positive. That's amazing. Less than 1%. And you figure when you have, you know, as many as you know, 70, 80 guys on your roster, and you only get 262 guys that end up, uh, you know, being uh, with a positive test. That's really, really encouraging. Uh, and finally, from the two five three, how will the 49ers look uh, this season? Uh, and how compared to the Seahawks, well, I think the 49ers are going to be better. I think that I mean, you look at the fact that they've got great talent on the team. They're good on defense. You know, they uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he's going to be the quarterback, and so all those things look positive. Hey, coming up next, we've got Mariner baseball with the pregame show, John Clayton Show, seven ten, ESPN Seattle. 